Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. If I bleed tonight, if I am sad tonight, I don't have a job to Hey everybody, welcome to a brand new episode of the Power Slam podcast here, wherever you get your podcasts, or of course, 24 hours early on Patreon, so thanks for pledging with us if you do. My name is Kenny McIntosh, I'm joined as always by Mr. Finley Martin. Finn, we're recording this maybe at one of our earliest times we have. Yes, it's currently 9.02 on uh, Thursday morning, so that's pretty early for us. Yeah, usually, usually, we, don't, we, usually we start at 10, maybe half 10. But um, we're going early today, so. Um, but the, no, we're not. I've not seen blood and guts since. We're not going to be discussing any of that from last night. But um, I did. There's lots of stuff going on in wrestling. But I did want to ask you. Um, Sandra and I just yesterday covered the John Cena debut from SmackDown on June 27, 2002, where he cuts the ruthless aggression promo and has that match with Kurt Angle. I mean. It's maybe not a fair question to John Cena, but I just wondered, when you, do you remember seeing him in that debut? And do you remember, do you think he had in at that point? Could you foresee that he was going to become a big name or was it a shock when he eventually went on to do what he did? You know, based on, on that first night when he came out and uh, challenged Kurt Angle. Um, I mean, it was difficult, wasn't it? I think I described him as, uh, do you remember the natural bone thrillers? In WCW? <laughs> yeah, I do. Yeah. I thought he was wearing the natural bone thrillers attire. I think that was how I described him at the time in Power Slam. <laughs> I mean, the thing about it is, 
there's been so many examples of people who thought who, who we thought were going to be stars and then the company lost interest in two or three weeks or a month or whatever um and then they, they, they basically ended up going nowhere and you know we've seen it it's really very difficult to tell that early um i mean everyone credits you know the rapper gimmick with being the thing that saved his career the following year and had he i think he was doing the rapping backstage and had a stephanie or somebody in a position of power saw him do it or her or someone told them that Cena was doing this gimmick and he was really good at it and it could be incorporated into an on-screen persona. And that was the thing that basically saved his career. Um, the early match I remember was he had a match with Brock Lesnar, a title match. Was it is, that, is, that the one, is that the one at Backlash 03? I think he was. And Cena did not have a great night, and neither did Lesnar. And there was a lot of talk at the time that Cena had been pushed too far too quickly or didn't have what it took. And there was a lot of talk then that he wasn't going to make it. And I think had he not become, you know, Cena, the doctor of thugonomics, hmm. I think he probably would have been chewed up and spat out. I think that's how his career would have gone. It was the gimmick that saved him because he was never really very good in the ring. I mean, he just wasn't. And with the gimmick, that was the thing that people reacted to, wasn't it? It was his, you know, his promos when he was coming out, his raps. Um, and that's what got him over. I mean, mm -hmm. that was what created the, the support that convinced WWE to firstly make him US champ and then WWE champ in 2005. So yeah, 2002, too soon to say really. I think I saw more in Randy Orton than I did in John Cena. Um, I mean, Batista was someone else who came in around about the same time. Obviously the Deacon Batista gimmick was, was just dreadful. I mean, <laughs> it was very nearly a career killer for him. But he somehow survived that. And I don't know whether I really saw that much in Batista either at the beginning. It took a while for him to really develop into somebody who you could see was going to become a star. I mean, it was his association with evolution, I guess, that was really the turning point for him. I think most people would agree with that. And obviously, the Triple H, Triple H feud in 2005 was the career-making um series and series of matches that made him champ and a top star but yeah for Cena you know it was a strange time Kenny wasn't it 2002 mm -hmm. and it's felt like WWE had lost its Midas touch in terms of star creation I mean Lesnar I mean at the beginning it wasn't really until the rock match at SummerSlam that you realized he was going to make it and there were moments there where he could have also gone backwards, but instead he continued going forwards. As we said in our King of the, Wing, King of the Ring review, had Lesnar not been with Paul Heyman, I think the outcome would have been very different. Uh, and obviously Cena didn't have a Paul Heyman at that point, did he? No, but luckily he did have uh, a Stephanie McMahon who, is that another story that she heard him rapping on the bus? And that was Something how he, like that, yeah, yeah. But she she heard him somehow, and she uh, 
So Stephanie's to blame. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, you know, let's give Stephanie credit for that. I mean, you know, Cena's career can be summed up in in just a few words. Sold a lot of T-shirts. I think that's it. That's That's it. That's what that should what should be inscribed on his. (laughs) You know, his you know his career's written. If anyone wants to sum it up in just a few words, I mean, that's it. Sold a A lot lot of T-shirts. A lot kinder than I thought your few words were going to be there, fan. Um, well, listen, let's move move on to Ronda Rousey. You know, we have uh, discussed the Ronda Rousey situation for months and months and months and months and months on the podcasts about her lack of enthusiasm, her lack of interest. So maybe this explains a little bit of it. She was talking to Daniel Cormier on his podcast, the DC Check-In, and she revealed that when she returned earlier this year at the Royal Rumble, she was supposed to return as a heel. Um, but after the initial crowd reaction in St. Louis at the Rumble, Vince changed his mind. She said Vince was like, well, they popped for her big, so she's a babyface now. Um, she expected to be a heel on her first Raw appearance, but she was told, no, 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 you need to smile, you need to stop being a bitch. And she wasn't happy about uh, having to play a good guy. She said, I love being a bitch, it's my outlet for bitchery. And they're like, yeah, you got to pull it back a little bit. Um and she said uh, that in terms of the crowd, she was expecting a similar response to her previous run um, and uh, says that she didn't get to properly enjoy the moment because at the Royal Rumble because she said, I think I kind of missed out on really enjoying that moment because I was expecting the worst in people. I mean, how does she still not get it at this point? Like, I, it's I wrestling. It's all, I it's, don't know. It's, I mean... How is she taking it so seriously? It's, it's wild to me that she is, you know, she's been doing this now between her two runs. We're, we're, well, it's almost two years, you know, in, in reality, with all the time. And but, she was still- a, but she was a fan, wasn't she, before she entered this world? So, you know, she's not like, sometimes you'll see people who enter pro wrestling and you can tell they've done it because, you know, the sports career didn't pan out and this was something they could do potentially and make money from and, mm-hmm. you know, have like a it's sort of an unintended career because, you know, priority because their, their first choice didn't work out for them. So this was their second choice. And they didn't really know much about pro wrestling until they entered this world. And it's a bit of a mystery to them. Yeah. Ronda Rousey was a huge fan. So she surely, or what you would think, would understand what pro wrestling is and what is required of its performers. I mean, and, I mean, do you think if she had come, if she'd come back as a heel at Royal Rumble and they had continued that trend of her being a heel, do you think that the that this run would be looked on currently as any more successful than it is? Well, the problem was, why would she be brought back as a heel when she was clearly going to be pitted against? Becky Lynch or Charlotte Flair, who themselves were both heels. Yeah, I mean, it's maybe they maybe they thought Charlotte was going to be the babyface in that scenario, but then Charlotte's never really been a great babyface. Charlotte, she's always been. She's got she's got ice water running through her veins. That character. <laughs> she she makes Stephanie McMahon seem positively likable. <laughs> I mean, I mean that's saying something, you know, because. I mean, Charlotte's just, I mean, she has played face previously, but I don't think she's ever really connected with the audience. 
um, as a good gal. I just don't think she ever has. And I mean, she could probably play it fairly well for a time. But I mean, her natural role, her whole persona that she's created for herself over the last, what is it, eight, coming up nine years now? Mm-hmm. Is, is this... You know, she's wrestling's, wrestling's answer to Cleopatra. That's who mm-hmm. she is to me. And she's just up there on a pedestal. And she, it's all about her. All the attention is on her. You know, she is a narcissist. She is all about self-glorification. There is nothing likable about Charlotte Flair as a persona, as a character. Um, so for for Ronda Rousey to return and then become you know, be such a, an effective, nefarious, villainous heel that she would turn Charlotte Flair babyface is nonsensical to me. And obviously Becky Lynch wasn't going to turn face because by January she just felt like she was really embracing this new big time Bex character, and that and the the worst thing that she could have done at that point. Um, you know, was turned babyface. And besides, she was already in this long-term storyline with Bianca Belair that was going to end at WrestleMania and did. So it was clearly going to be Ronda versus Charlotte, wasn't it? So I'm mm-hmm. I'm perplexed as to how these conversations even occurred. And, you know, what was Vince McMahon thinking, Kenny? I mean, this is not one of his uh, finest creative ideas. Because also, if, if I mean... Because in, in I, mean, I can't think of an example off the top of my head, but in wrestling history, it tends to be that if somebody's going to be a heel when they come back and they've been away for a long time, you you let them in the first night get the babyface pop because they're going to get it regardless of what you yeah. do. And then maybe the next night on Raw or whatever, then you do the heel turn or whatever. But you have to let that, that react. I mean, there was just no way that Ronda Rousey was going to return at the Royal Rumble and people were going to boo her because, you know, they, they were excited to see her. I was excited to see her. I mean, long gone of the days, but I was. Um, but yeah, crazy. But, I don't know, let's give her credit, you know, for the for the I Quit match with Charlotte. I mean, that was pretty good. Yeah, the, the I Quit match has been her one sort of thing you can stand up and go, that was great. Yeah, that, I mean, that she, was brought it. she brought it on that night. I think she she seemed like she was having a good time and she was enthusiastic to be there and dedicated to the match and wanted the match to succeed. And I feel like it did. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, that, that was the match. That's, that was the, the, the match that she was, she, it was like the old Ronda Rousey was back. Yeah. That match. Um, I mean, I've said it before, Kenny, what she needs is Bailey. And I hope Bailey returns at Money in the Bank this weekend or very soon afterwards. And I think Bailey could light a fire under Ronda Rousey. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and actually, I mean, you would think that is Bailey going to return as a heel? She really needs to, because as we know, <laughs> you know, Bailey from accounts, I mean, it wasn't exactly like, you know, an ultra dynamic character. And then she found herself as a villain and created this new persona for herself in association with Sasha Banks and was a huge success. So she's really got to be the heel. Yeah, definitely. I think she could work very well with Ronda because we know Bailey knows how to put a match together. And we know Ronda needs someone to basically lead her through the match. And I think that could be the match um, that I think would be really good for Ronda. Ronda. And I think she may also maybe find that... she stood, She. stood. I think there is some enthusiasm buried deep inside of her for pro wrestling. 
but she <laughs> needs to be in a scenario that really does inspire her. And I just feel like she's not, she's, you know, the phrase is, she's, you know, it's a cliche, but she doesn't feel like she's firing on all cylinders. Feels like something's misfiring there. And maybe Bailey could be, you know, the, the technician who could like go in there and, you know, fine tune that engine and get Rhonda, you know, racing and, you know, burning it up again. Maybe that's the feud she needs. It's a feud I want to see anyway. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> Bailey, Bailey, as far as we know, is cleared. And I mean, get her back. Get her back now. She is she is sorely needed in the women's division. Um, I, I mean, it wouldn't surprise me if she was at Money in the Bank. I mean, really, this Natalia match doesn't feel like a premium live event worthy matchup as we've we discussed earlier this week. I mean, Ronda Bailey does feel like a big SummerSlam match. It does. Absolutely, it does. And um, I mean, it's a foregone conclusion who's going to win on Saturday. And I think if Bailey makes an appearance after the match and beats Ronda down, I think a lot of people will say, well, you know what? We were willing to put up with Ronda Rousey versus Natalia, um, you know, in return for Bailey's comeback, beat down of Ronda, you know, and the, and the, mm-hmm. uh, the potential that this feud and series has. I mean, I'd like to see Bailey be, you know, be, become champ at SummerSlam. She doesn't have to defeat Ronda Rousey cleanly, of course. But I think that would be a way of prolonging the feud. And also, you could then work Charlotte Flair into it as well. If Bailey was champion and then you've got like, you know, three-way match or I quite like to see that clash at the castle, maybe Ronda versus Charlotte versus Bailey. I mean, that I think would be a big match. I think would go down well with the, the UK fans. Yeah, for sure. Um, well, listen, let's move on to Kenny Omega. Kenny Omega is in the news because obviously he's out at the moment. He's injured. Um, he's been out with a variety of injuries. He's uh, got, I think he was like a torn, torn something in his shoulder, a hernia, knee issues. So he was on his uh, Twitch channel and he, he had this to say about uh, his injury and being injured. He said, if I get another major setback, that's it. That's it. I'm done. I can't do this ever again. Two times, three times a day, really painful rehab, not even knowing what it's going to be like when I get back in the ring. I have no clue. It's scary, actually. You see people, they come back to the ring and you're just happy to see them back. There's a different kind of expectation put on me and I think that anything less than what they're expecting, which is already unrealistic, is going to lead to a lot of ridicule, which is what I get every day anyway. You can probably understand and imagine how difficult it is, struggling twice, three times a day, trying to get things to work that maybe never worked before and trying to reroute things in your brain to get around the things that aren't going that aren't healing people think kenny is hurt he took time off snap your fingers i come back and i'm 100 percent. life doesn't work that way bodies don't work that way athletes don't work that way it's very difficult to formulate a plan and to execute it we'll see how i do because um, i think he also had like imbalance problems towards the end where he couldn't like he couldn't he couldn't like feel balanced in his brain which is wow. scary um so, I mean, what, what do you think of this? I mean, he's, he's basically saying if something else happens, he, he doesn't think he can come back. I mean, are, is, is the expectation of Kenny Omega coming back going to be so high that he needs to, that he kind of needs to come back at the same level he was before? Or do you think that he could come back and do a lesser version of what he did before and still get the job done? Um, I mean, I know Ric Flair had a similar condition. I think it was actually during his series of matches with the Ultimate Warrior in WWF back in 92, I think it would have been, mm-hmm. where he was having a problem with, with his ear and he was having problems with his 
equilibrium. Um, I mean, with Kenny Omega, I mean, he could come back and do a different style. Would people be disappointed? Probably at first, because there's a certain expectation from an Omega match that he's going to do all these, you know, ballet style moves and throw himself over the top rope and, you know, this high speed, you know, V triggers and, you know, suplexes and the high energy long matches. I mean, if he came back and did something different, people at first might not like it, but in time they would probably accept it. If you go back and look at someone like, uh, Keiji Muto, the great Muta, he radically changed his style about 20 years ago in Japan um, because his knees were so far gone that he he couldn't do all that high speed, high risk stuff anymore. He had to work a map based style and he had to be very clever um, with his matches and make all the little things mean more. Um, same with Jushin Liger. He was in, you know, at the end of the 80s, early 90s, he was wrestling's preeminent flyer and you know in the 2000s he um consciously changed his style went to a more of a ground-based approach so there was fewer bumps and less movement in his matches so i mean i think omega could change his style um but i guess the question is does he want to and also in aew people expect constant movement that's what aew fans want just constant bumps kick out after kick out and just all action. So would the AEW audience really go for a more of a subtle approach, you know, with more of a psychology uh, based approach where you're building a, you know, you're telling a story in the ring and you're, you're piecing it together and you're creating, you know, a match with texture, you know, would they go for that? Probably, maybe they would do, but that's almost like a re-education process in itself. And it's not just that immediate gratification, violence, huge bumps, you know, constant brawling and just, you know, the AEW style. So I don't know. I mean, it's up to him, really. I mean, if he can afford to retire or afford to go part time, just wrestle occasionally, then I would urge him to do so. I mean, I'm a great believer uh in pro wrestlers not wrecking themselves you know because there's this post wrestling life that they're going to have and if you're in constant pain every day in your you know from your early or late or early mid or late 40s onwards to the day that you shuffle off this mortal coil then that's no life and if you can afford to withdraw um, and do something that's going to give you really good quality of life post-wrestling, then I would urge every wrestler to do it. You know, that's my philosophy on it. Um, you know, because I've, I've read enough stories of broken down wrestlers, you know, I've met broken down wrestlers, and it's not a pretty sight, Kenny. And, yeah. you know, the really sad thing is, is that fans, when someone's out of sight, out of mind, fans aren't really going to be that bothered. Fans aren't really going to, you know, I'm not going to be supporting these wrestlers financially, you know, and these, these wrestlers, I think I've got to think of themselves and their lives and their quality of life post wrestling. And it sounds to me from that quote that you just read out, Kenny, that Kenny Omega is already doing that. I mean, the rehab sounds hellish for him. Yeah. And absolutely awful. And, um, 
I mean, if this is statement is genuine and it sounds it, then uh, it sounds to me like he's he's already you know he's already got one foot in retirement. Sounds to me like he has. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, it's it's got to be difficult for him because he's so used to being this you know very uh, you know more is more constant stuff type of wrestler. And I think it will be difficult for him if he has to change that. But I think that he is, I mean, he's one of the best. He, I think he will adapt to whatever he needs to adapt to. And the thing that AEW used to have that we don't really have anymore is in the early days when Cody would have his big matches, his matches were always slower than everybody else's. And they would have kind of more, you know, build to a spot, build to a spot than most of the other stuff. And I think if Omega was to become that, I think in time fans would probably quite enjoy that that was like a, a, style, a different style of match they're going to see. So I think Omega will be fine if, if that's what he chooses to do, but it might also be that he just doesn't want to take that risk. You know, if he if he doesn't think he can do a 45-minute match anymore, then he might feel it's not worth it. But I think, I think it's definitely worth him doing a part-time schedule and doing some big matches and uh, changing his style if he can, because... The AEW fans love Kenny Omega, and I think that they would want to see him back if he thinks he can still do it to a level where he's happy with. You know, it's like Steve Austin used to say towards the end that he not like he wouldn't want to come back unless he could do enough that he thought it was he could be Steve Austin. And um, you know, then obviously towards the end he couldn't be, but um, I think Omega's probably the same. He he's got an expectation level for himself, and I think in his mind he has to be able to hit his expectation level first and foremost before he decides to come back. Yeah, it's like a professional pride thing, isn't it? You mm-hmm. know, you've got that pride in your performance that your your own expectation, your expectations of yourself are so much higher than anyone else's. Yeah. And if you can't reach them, then you don't want to disappoint yourself, you know, above all, as well as, of course, the fans and your peers and management, whomever. Um, but I mean... I think possibly, I think any wrestler or athlete who's going through this rehab, and he's obviously been out for a long time now, hasn't he? He hasn't wrestled for many months. Um, and the fact that he's still he's still in pain, it's still a real chore for No, it's, it's still very difficult for him, this whole rehab process. He's still very challenging, even at this point, many, many months into it. You can understand why he would be growing disheartened. So maybe he's just, you know, venting a little bit. And when things become a little easier, which I'm sure they will, then, you know, maybe his attitude towards it will change. You know, I always used to have it with Power Slam. You'd finish an issue and you think, oh, God, that was so difficult. And like, oh, next month, oh, I can't put myself through that again. And and then the very next day, you'd be on with the next issue. You know, it'd be like, oh, and then, you you know, something good had happened or you get that great interview or you come up with a, a really good idea for an article or you get these amazing pictures through and you'd suddenly be like enthused again and you'd feel like the issue was really coming together and you're like, oh, I can't wait for this issue to come out and the whole cycle would, um, would just repeat. Um, but I mean, you know, anything, anything difficult requires an amazing amount of effort to do it successfully. And there are obviously consequences to that. Um, but sometimes the end result is worth, you know, the sacrifice. And um, I, th- I mean, I think he'll be back. I'm sure he will. And 
hopefully he'll have the foresight, you know, be prudent enough to change his style so he's not taking as many risks. Yeah. Um, but I mean, you know, the temptation, of course, to seek the pop by doing <laughs> that huge stun is very strong in pro wrestlers. So it requires, I think, a lot of discipline um, to just tone it down and do fewer big moves that are likely to be injurious. So, yeah, we'll see what happens. And then just the last thing before we go is um, this week is the anniversary, the 24-year anniversary of the Hell in a Cell match with Undertaker and Mick Foley. And um, I just thought it'd be fun to quickly ask you, do you think if you take that match out of Mick Foley's career, if you take that spot out of his career, does a lot change? I think he does, yeah, I think so. I mean, he was already obviously a huge star, um, but I mean that's a match that um, that changed everything for him, wasn't it? And um, I mean, in some ways, you know, a lot of people were really worried when it happened that it was going to encourage more people to do spots like that in their matches. And obviously, we have seen a lot of crazy things, but I mean, it didn't really open the floodgates in the way that a lot of us feared it would at the time. And um, you know, that was the flip side to it, to it that that Foley had taken this very real punishment to get over. Um, you know, and he'd been criticized dating back to his first WCW run for taking vicious chair shots to the head and crazy bumps to the outside on the concrete and making it difficult for other wrestlers to get over by doing less and by doing things that were not um going to be painful they're not going to suffer genuine injuries from i mean you know the the famous vader matches you know the power bombs on the concrete i mean a lot of people were very a lot of people in wrestling were very uncomfortable about that because of the precedent that it set you know it's like oh right so we've all got to now nearly kill ourselves to get over you know and to get a heel over and to you know build sympathy from an audience and um, so a lot of people, including Ric Flair, very famously, a lot of people in wrestling were opposed to what Foley did. And, you know, the same certainly is true of the Hell in a Cell bumps. Once it, once it emerged that both of them were planned, because for a while there, the one through the cage, um, there was this kind of smoke screen that, oh, no, that wasn't planned, the one through the cage. And of course it was. <laughs> And you still got to work people all the way to the end. Well, I mean, that might not have been so bad had the chair not come down and smashed him in the face. That's what did that's what did the damage, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, I mean, it's insane. It's insane. Even today, when you looked at you and all the stuff we've seen since, it still is maybe the most insane. Both of them just. I mean, those bumps are just. You you watch it again and again and again. You go, how did he? jump off how did he get thrown off top of that cell and land the way he did i know he's an athlete but i mean that could have i mean you're talking three or four inches in different directions and any of that could have gone a lot worse for him yeah i agree and also i think it was jim ross who just moved out of the way at the last moment and that was really close as well wasn't it yeah i mean it's it's funny because i remember i remember a few years ago that somebody in the u.s had tweeted an article about it and they'd said, um, you know, this time, 22, 23 years ago, Mick Foley got tossed off by The Undertaker. <laughs> and Mick Foley responded going, 
that means something different to my friends in the UK. Please don't say it like that. <laughs> <laughs> that is pretty good. Uh, yeah, um, I mean... I mean, yeah, I mean, it was a career changer for him, no doubt about it, um, because he was quizzed about it so often and he wrote about it and sp- spoken about it so many times. Um, and it was it was a strange match, wasn't it? You go back and watch it and the drama is because it's so real, isn't it? Even though obviously these spots were set up, there was real punishment. He suffered real injuries. It was clearly not he was not selling he was clearly KO'd and clearly in a lot of pain. And that, you know, that tooth really was sticking in his nose. And, you know, it was not, he hadn't bladed. It was hardware juice and everything about it had this unbelievable realism, unbelievable, all this believable realism, or kind of unbelievable, believable realism, maybe. <laughs> and, uh, but I mean, yeah, I remember it at the time and we covered it in the magazine and obviously I spoke to Foley about it just a few weeks later. I think that was his first um, in-depth interview about the Hell in a Cell match, the Power Slam. He generously gave to Power Slam uh, quite a story behind that interview, which people I'm sure will be aware of. And um, yeah, it was um, it was quite something, quite a match. But yeah, had he not done that, had he not had that match, I think he still would have been a huge star. But I don't think he, I don't think he would have been the star that he became, um, and maybe they wouldn't have made him champion later that year, Kenny. It's yeah, I think it definitely played a part, and um, I think I think if he was to sit down now, even he said it before, he wouldn't he wouldn't take it back. Um, but thankfully, people didn't choose to do it again. Um, exactly, and when he had the match with uh, Triple H the following year, and he took a, a similar bump, it was the there was obviously risk assessments done. <laughs> and the whole way it was set up much safer yeah and, and much safer in such a way that he, he 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 wasn't likely to suffer any real injuries um i'm sure his missus insisted on it <laughs> uh, well listen that's all the time we've got for today uh, we'll be back on patreon with an overrun where we're going to talk about the 20 years of impact wrestling so do head over to our patreon patreon.com forward slash inside the ropes to check that out and finn's new what else is going down where he covers Jeff Hardy, Vince McMahon, uh, Shotzi, and much, much more. So do check that out. And then today is the day, Thursday, that uh, Inside the Ropes magazine issue 22 is available with Roman Reigns on the cover. So insidetheropesmagazine.com is where you can pick that up or in your local WH Smith store. Um, and if you have an even more local news agent, go and ask them to stock it, and they will, because it's a guaranteed sale for them. So... Uh, Finn, I will uh, look forward to basically talking to you again in 30 seconds. So, <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. Indeed, yes. People, please check out the magazine with Roman Reigns on the cover. Stunning cover photo. Yes. So uh, I think there's some good stuff in there, but, you know, hopefully people will give us a chance if you're not already a reader. Indeed. So I want to thank you for all your support, everybody, and we'll talk to you soon.
Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowl and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowl and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.